The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We ask, Father, that you'd bring us all to the altar, just in the sense that that is the place where we meet you. Would you bring us to that place this morning? In your name, amen. You may be seated. And I, I'm pretty pumped here today. It's, uh, I, I really feel like this is, I need to tell you this ahead of time. I think this is like a very encouraging message. And I think it is a very, you know, uh, positive, exciting message. I need to tell you that ahead of time because there might be a couple places where you look at it and say, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. This doesn't seem encouraging uh, where we're going with this. So stay with me on that. I thought I'd say that ahead of time. I also need to mention, not that I'm selling things, and I, I really am not, but uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago we wanted to make sure that we have some of the devotional books that we passed out at the beginning of the year. There are these books right here which say they left their nets. These are like a little daily bread type devotional. There's about a handful of them out there, maybe four or five. You're welcome to pick that up. It's, it's uh, just to have a little devotional time each day. This one's a little bit more intense. It's a program for reading through the Bible in a year. You can start at any time during the year, but we didn't have those. Now we have a bunch of those back in there, too. So I wanted to mention that. Okay, anybody know who that is? Nobody? Ozzie and Harriet. Yeah, there you go. You got to be pretty old, Ozzie. I tried to get a more modern, like, TV show that would be like the perfect family type look. They don't really have them anymore. I could have put the modern family up there. I didn't really want to go with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you think about the television shows now, there's not a whole lot that you think of, okay, we're going to try to capture this perfect family look and have that going. So I had to go back. I, I had the, the other one I had was uh, Father Knows Best. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought maybe we'd go with that. But here's, here are the, uh, the Nelsons, Ozzie and Harriet and Ricky. It was Ricky, wasn't it? Because uh, he went, he, anyway, uh, and then the, then the other guy. But uh, I, I have to tell you this, that uh, the truth be told, my clicker decided not to work for Mother's Day. Click, switch. Let's go. There you go. What do you think's wrong here, guys? It's going to really cramp my style, but uh, I'll just have to. Now, uh, truth of the matter is, we're going to talk about the whole idea that this idea of having a perfect family, okay, not really going to happen. I'm sorry. Now, again, great Mother's Day message. Hey, your family's imperfect. You got some problems. In fact, we probably need to listen to this guy right here. If you think love is all you need, no, I'm sorry. You also need uh, rations and water. Uh, we, can, we can listen to his words of wisdom as far as that goes. But the, one of the ideas that I want you to, to capture, one of the ideas that I want you to remember today is this. If you have this idea of perfection in the family, that weight can be crushing. And I have seen a lot of people crushed under that weight of trying to make something perfect. We get the idea that our child's destiny or our children's destiny rests completely on me. But the Bible says uh, clearly in the book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse number 9, that salvation belongs to the Lord. It is by His grace and for His glory. So sometimes we take upon us weights that we were not really intended to bear, and we're trying to, to put this uh, this perfect image out there, but I want you to think about this. We often have the idea 
By the way, uh, I decided I was trying to be Mother's Day, so if the pink drives you crazy, sorry about that, but I was going with everything pink today. Uh, th- did you notice that Josh's shirt perfectly matched the Happy Mother's Day banner up there? It was, it was a beautiful thing. We didn't coordinate that, but it, it was nice. But uh, I didn't have my pink shirt to wear today to match this. But we often think, okay, here's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We are to walk proudly before the world as those who've got it right. But I'd like you to consider a different approach. Maybe instead of that, what we are actually supposed to do is walk humbly before the world as those who have been rescued. And I I really think if we can focus on that and we can capture that today, we're going to talk today about a lady by the name of Sarah in the Bible. Now, today, across the country, they're going to preach a lot of Mother's Day sermons. They're going to pick out some of the heroines of the Bible. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Ruth in some churches, I bet. She was a a lady of the Bible. Or we we might talk about uh, Hannah. Hannah's a very famous one. Sarah is, too. I mean, nobody names her, you know... If you think of the name Sarah, you think, oh, good Bible name. You know, no, it's not like Jezebel, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we called her Jezebel. We're asking for problems right there. Uh, So we think, hey, we we got this good here. We're going to, this Sarah is a heroine. She's a a good lady. But I want to show you some things about Sarah's life. I told you I was going Mother's Day theme. Pink clouds. How about it? (laughs) Kind of creepy, I know. Uh, But we're going to look at a few different places in the book of Genesis and follow some things about Sarah's life. In chapter 12, verse number 11, when he was about to enter Egypt, that would be Abraham, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know you are a beautiful woman in appearance. Now, guys, right there, you need to mark this verse. That's great for cards at their birthday. You just put that part. I know that you are a beautiful woman in appearance. You are one spicy me. Okay, anyway, uh, but uh, that, that's it. you just need to remember that verse. That's a great way if you want to be spiritual on your little cards, you send your wife. There it is right there. Uh, and so far, the guy's winning points. I know that you're a beautiful woman in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, now he loses it, they will say, this is his wife? <laughs> for, I put the surprise in there. That's what people do to me all the time. Uh, and then they they will kill me, but they will let you live. So here's what we're going to do. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Now, I read a lot about this passage this week, and different people trying to explain this away in the culture of the time. I got to say this, no matter what the culture of the time is, if I say, baby, you are a fine looking woman, and for my own safety, we're going to tell people that you are my uh, sister instead of my wife, that's not going to sit very well, okay? I, I don't care what the culture of the time is, this is not an outstanding point for Abraham, okay? Uh, I got a pretty wife, I don't want people to want her more than me, so let's lie. In fact, he, he pulled this this stunt a couple of times. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So let's start with this idea right here. One of the things that we want to recognize about Sarah is that Sarah had an imperfect spouse. Okay, now I'm going to ask a question in a minute that I want you to respond to if if you want. However, I, I need to give you some instruction because it is Mother's Day. Okay, the question is how many of you have an imperfect spouse? On Mother's Day, wait, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. On Mother's Day, ladies, you can shoot your hand up in a hurry. Oh, yeah, Uh, I'm all over that. You can amen, hallelujah, whatever you want to do there. Uh, Guys, it's Mother's Day, so you you have to, you can put up your hand, but you got to be sheepish about it, you know? Well, yeah, I guess she's not perfect, you know, like that. That's how you do it, okay? So, So when I say, how many of you have an imperfect spouse? Will you raise your hand? 
Okay. Uh, like that. Now, you might be thinking, well, she's perfect for me or he's perfect for me. And maybe you're right there. And maybe you think I got it pretty, pretty good. But when you really think, I, I want us to remember that idea that we all have uh, imperfection as far as that. That goes. There is a uh, book that uh, we use some for uh, premarital counseling that is called When Sinners Say I Do. Okay? Now, I'm somewhat hesitant. I don't like to come in and, and paint us all all the time as sinners because I like to remember more than that that because of what the work of Jesus Christ, we are now saints. So I don't like to come in and tell you, call you sinners all the time, but yet that book really captures that idea that we are all flawed, we are all imperfect. So when sinners say I do kind of, uh, kind of tells us what happens as far as when marriage is concerned. And if we look to our spouse to be everything that we want them to be, we end up making of them an idol. So if you can remember this idea, he or she hang on the grace of God continually. And so do you. Let me say that again. Your spouse hangs on the grace of God, is dependent upon that completely. And so are you. If we can just kind of capture that idea. I wanted to uh, talk about a fellow in the Old Testament. Let's see, it is, there's a story in the book of 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9 about when David became king. And the Bible says that David at this time, when things kind of got settled in, he wanted to make sure that he kept a promise that he had made to a friend of his. The friend's name was Jonathan. And he had promised to do good to Jonathan's family and to care for Jonathan's family. So he said, is there anybody, he asked the question, is there anybody left from Jonathan's family for whom I can show kindness to uh, on behalf of Jonathan? Is there anybody left to do that? And the guy's name, I love this name, is Mephibosheth. That's just a fun name to say. Uh, but they found a boy that was uh, a crippled boy. They said he was, he was crippled from birth. And uh, David wanted to bring this Mephibosheth into his house and care for him to show goodness. Now, there, there are some great pictures in the Bible of God's love for us. This is a beautiful one because David, for the sake of somebody else, shows love. Do you know that for the sake of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, God shows his love toward us and pours out his love towards us? But the picture that of us in that story is this crippled child by the name of Mephibosheth, uh, who the Bible says every day has to be helped to the table. Now, he is always there to eat from it, but every day he has to be helped. But there's a phrase in there that really catches my attention, and it is that idea that every day he constantly was in need, and that's the picture of who we are. We constantly hang on the grace of God. Okay, it isn't like you come to church one time and you realize, oh, hey, okay, yeah, I need God's grace. There it is. Every day I get up and I need the grace of God. And part of that is because I am and have an imperfect spouse. And we need to uh, show that grace and remember that grace. When I first uh, came to be pastor here, so this is probably about... Well, it was probably about uh, nine years ago when I, when I came, but we met a couple, and some of you that were around here remember them. Sweet little couple. I was trying to think of where they sat all the time. You know, everybody has their assigned seats. Uh, but uh, their names were Lou and Betty Woods. Some of you remember Lou and Betty Woods. Little couple. I mean, you, you could stand one on the shoulders, and they're my height. Uh, and uh, they're great, great couple. I mean, I, I heard this story, and I think this is true. In their 90s, she was still driving. They lived over on Garver Lake. And she was still driving the boat, and he was water skiing in their 90s. I'd, I'd like to see it, uh, but, I, but I heard that story. I, I think it might be true. But Francis and I would visit them, 
And Francis and I have in our family some situations where some folks have managed to stay together and stay married, but we kind of look and say, I don't know how that happened, because <laughs> they don't even like each other. And so we would spend some time with Lou and Betty Woods, and we thought, this is awesome. These people love each other. They were so sweet to each other. He would sing to her every night. Yeah, oh, that is so sweet. Uh, I mean, it, it was, it, but we would sit down and talk to them. We thought, man, man, that is so sweet. But, you know, we had, uh, they, they lived for a while at Hubbard Hill and then at another nursing facility down south of South Bend. But uh, Francis and I would go visit them and we'd sit and talk to them. And I remember one day they got telling us about the fact that uh, at one point in their marriage, <laughs> they were separated and they weren't sure they were going to be able to keep it together. They, were, they really thought they were, they were going to have a divorce. And I thought, Lou and Betty Woods? No. <laughs> Couldn't happen to them. They were the perfect little couple. Can I just remind you? There is no such thing as, the, as perfect where people are involved. So forget that Facebook picture that you see. Okay? Yeah, I know. On, on Facebook, everybody looks perfect. We show the pictures, everything like that. We all have some issues, and we all are in need of that grace, and we need it on a regular basis. Let's uh, jump over to chapter 16 and see something else about Sarah. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, was born, uh, had borne him no children. And she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go to my servant, and it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife. Uh, so after Abraham had lived t- ten years in the land of Canaan, Abraham's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as, as a wife. And, um, and he went to Hagar, and she conceived And when she saw what had happened that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Now, some of you may be familiar with that story. That's kind of a real quick little version of it as to what happened. But uh, I wanted to make sure I got to that phrase there about looking with contempt. Because when you read, fill in the blanks of this story, there was contempt everywhere. Uh, Their son, Ishmael, became a snarky teenager. I mean, it was just an ugly story what happened in the future with everything like that. What I am saying is Sarah, though she was a great lady of the Bible, and we can look to her for many different reasons, she definitely had an imperfect family. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands this, this time, but do you think maybe we suffer sometimes from that? And maybe sometimes we try to find our worth in the perfection of our family. But, you know, our spouse, our children, uh, sometimes we're trying to find our worth in our approval and our position and our money, just that we have created this perfect little family, and it doesn't happen. If marriage is two sinners bound together by grace, then a family is a whole group of sinners bound together by grace. And a church is an even bigger group of, of sinners bound together by, ba- by grace. And, you know, when we think about this idea that I have to create this perfect family, as I said at the beginning, many times we have this ridiculous pressure we put on ourselves. We put a weight on ourselves that is too much to bear because we think, hey, we can have everything perfect. We can have the Aussie and Harriet family. We can have everything look just right, and that's how we think we ought, we ought to be. And we think that somehow, if we behave the right way, that's how things are going to be. If I do everything right. Now, st- stay with me, because then what we get caught in is we end up playing the blame game. And usually the blame is on ourselves. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? How come things aren't perfect? How come we didn't get what we had planned on? Um, let me illustrate with a couple different things. My wife um, has an aunt right now that is, she's in her early 80s, but she is uh, very serious uh, lung cancer. 
and uh, you know it's the diagnosis you know isn't good and but you know talking to different family and everything like that and and I'm using this as an illustration because I think many of you have been here you start to play the okay what you know what's going on here well she smoked for a long time so that's the reason and and then they get into well maybe if we'd have taken her to this doctor instead of this doctor and maybe if we'd have done it this way maybe if we'd have got her in sooner uh, maybe we've played the game like like that and, and done better and I think all of us have a tendency to do that we have this desire to take all the hard times out of life and as pastor, you hear me say this maybe too often. I quoted this verse last week, and I quote it a lot. But it is when Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. You say, Pastor, aren't you supposed to be more encouraging? But truth of the matter is very simple. We live in a sin-cursed world. It's messed up, and people are messed up. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be real negative about it. I'm trying to get us to see that Sarah, yes, she was a great woman of the Bible. She could be held up and said, on Mother's Day, we're going to talk about Sarah. But I want you to see that her family was far less than perfect. She had all types of heartache in there. And sometimes we think, if I just do things right. I've had parents say to me in looking at their kids, I said, you know, hey, maybe... I've, I've, I've had parents who had their children in a Christian school or they homeschooled their children, and they said later on their kids were, were struggling, and they said, hey, maybe, maybe we should have, uh, you know, we were too strict on our kids. We, we sheltered them too much. Maybe we sheltered them too much. That's why they're having a hard time. Or others who said, you know, maybe I shouldn't have had my kid in the public school. Maybe that wasn't good for them. Maybe I didn't shelter them enough. And then we look and we say, maybe I was too strict on them. Or maybe I wasn't strict enough on them. And we constantly play the blame game. Come on, come on, you're with me, right? You know we do this. We look and we say, hey, what, what I must have done wrong. Why is this like this? And we have to fix the blame somewhere. And I think it is so important. <laughs> there's, a, there's a phrase that the Apostle Paul used. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. And for one thing, that's something that we have to do. What is in the past and what we've done whether or not we did something wrong, it doesn't help me a whole lot to dwell on it. Yes, I want to learn from it, uh, but to dwell on the mistakes of the past is not too wise. But the other thing, if I could say to you very plainly, you don't really know. Uh, you know I, I use that illustration about my, my uh, Francis aunt because you don't really know. Well, well, she smoked her whole life. That's why she got lung cancer. Really? So everybody who smokes gets lung cancer? No. Everybody who doesn't doesn't get lung cancer? No. You know, we, we try to fix that and say this is how it is. Well, apply that over the situations of life. Hey, if I had done this differently, if I had done that better, I think what we can do is stop and say I hang on the grace of God. They hang on the grace of God. I'm going to pray for them like crazy. I'm going to love them as best they can. But I can't control how other people, the, every decision that everybody else makes. And I think one of the things I want us to do on this Mother's Day is just recognize the significant, uh, actually the main thing I want us to do is recognize the significant need that we all have for the grace of God in our life. And just like Mephibosheth, we need it every stinking day. And so does everybody else in our life. Let's find a third thing about Sarah that was imperfect. Later on, uh, Sarah did conceive. Some of you know the story. They said to uh, him, uh, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. I'm sorry. This is, this is something that happens in Scripture in a few places in the Old Testament. Here's my big word of the day. It's called a, a theophany. Okay, when you hear the word theo, that's God. The other part of this word means to show, and it's so co kind of show God. There are some times in the Old Testament where God shows up in human form, and most scholars believe this was a case where God showed up and he's talking to him. And uh, Sarah said, she's in the tent. So the Lord said, 
I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, by this time, Sarah was older than dirt. And Sarah was listening at the tent behind the door, and Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. And the way of the women ceased to be with Sarah. You, you read between the lines there. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, my Lord is old. Shall I now have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear this child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I don't laugh, uh, for she was afraid. She said, but you did, and he said, but you did laugh. Okay, now, I want you to get this story. So, so God shows up and says, hey, Abraham, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. Sarah says, <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's happening. Uh, you know, we've, we've kind of had that story. Every once in a while, I'll come up with a cool name, and I'll say, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to name my next kid that. Mephibosheth, that'd be a good one. Uh, but, uh, and my wife's like, I don't think that's happening, and that, that's where Sarah is. Nope, that, you know, we, we ain't going there. There's no, there's no way that, that's going to happen. She, she's laughing. God said this is going to be. Sarah said, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. And Abraham said, why'd you laugh? I don't laugh. <laughs> Me, laugh. I didn't laugh. But she did. A third thing that we'd have to say about Sarah, not only did she have an imperfect spouse, an imperfect family, but she had an imperfect faith. Okay? Now, stay with me on this. You know, the story goes on, and uh, you're going to have a baby, and she says, no, that's uh, inconceivable. <laughs> you get it? Uh, Pretty proud. <laughs> you are actually laughing at that. I thought that was really sick. I was remembering the Princess Bride or whatever. I don't think you know. Think you know what that? Anyway, but uh, but uh, she she definitely is like I, I don't think so. This this is gonna this. There's no way. So her faith was definitely suspect. You know, many times I and seriously, many times I have people talk to me and say something like this. I don't know that my faith is strong enough. I'm a little worried. You know, I believe in what Jesus Christ did, but I, I don't know how to say this. I don't know if I believed enough, you know, and they struggle with that. Have I believed enough? Have I really, you know, uh, put my faith, uh, do I have enough faith or whatever like that? I'd like to remind you of this, and this is something we see in this story, that the promise of God is stronger than your faith. Okay? And yes, just like Sarah, our faith is, is going to be imperfect. So we need to recognize that the amount of our faith is not the crucial issue. The object of our faith in what we place our faith is the crucial issue. I place my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Are there times when I have sat and said, did I do this right? Yes. But that's not the issue. The Bible says that we are saved. In the book of Ephesians, it says this very plainly. We are saved by, anybody know the word? Grace through faith. It doesn't say it the other way around. It says we are saved by grace, the work of God. Through faith, we place our faith in him. It is his work, not my work, and that's what I trust in. So is, are we going to think sometimes, hey, my faith is imperfect, and maybe, not maybe, I, I don't feel like I've been the Christian that I should be, and maybe that's why this is happening, everything like that. And again, we have stressed ourselves, we have put ourselves under this burden of perfection. And I'm not suggesting, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter how we will live. I'm not suggesting, hey, let's lower our expectations. But what I'm saying is I have watched people uh, in two 
do two things. One is be crushed under the weight of this trying to have a perfect family, or secondly, become hypocrites because they don't have a perfect family, but they want everybody to think that they do. And listen to this statement, at my, at my Christian best, on my very best day as a Christian, I hang on the grace of God. Okay? I don't know how else to say that. At my Christian best, no matter how well I behave, I am nothing but for the grace of God. So important that we do that. Now, one more thing I want to show you about Sarah because she did have an imperfect spouse, family, and faith. In the book of Galatians, it talks about Abraham when we can roll Sarah in there. Know that, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Those who believed are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, I read that kind of quickly. This is beautiful, some of the things it says in here. But it says, okay, those are of faith are the sons of Abraham, foreseeing God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Abraham looked at salvation from the other side of the cross, and it is very possible he didn't see everything that we see. In fact, it is likely that he did not. But here's what Abraham knew. Abraham knew that God would send a redeemer who would deal with his imperfections. Abraham knew that God would send a redeemer who would deal with all these imperfections. There is a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son, precious lamb of God, Messiah, the holy one. I wish I could break into song. I would sing that for you, but it would be downright painful. But we often so, so, you know, so often think the outcome of our life is, uh, is, depends on us, depends on me being perfect, having the perfect spouse, having the harmony at home, having the strength of faith. The outcome of our life depends clearly on the grace of God. And although Sarah did have an imperfect spouse, family, and faith. You know what she had? She had a gloriously perfect Savior. I've, uh, I've used this as an illustration before. This is my slinky. Pretty, pretty excited about this. We, uh, uh, about a year ago at this time, I thought, you know, I've been here at this church for eight years, and uh, I was looking at my office. I didn't like my office. I just didn't like it. It wasn't me. Uh, it had books. <laughs> <laughs> What's with that? Uh, it had, uh, you know, just stuff all over the place and, and different pictures. I thought, this isn't me. I said, I've been here eight years. Figure I'm staying for a while. I'm going to make this my office. And I did. I, re I remodeled the office in there, worked on that. Got rid of most all the junk I had on the walls and everything, everything like that. But there's one thing I held on to. I have a little shelf up there, and I keep this little slinky there. Okay. Uh, and uh, why do I keep this slinky? It, it, it's kind of a weird reminder for me. Um, if you've ever had a slinky, you know, that somewhere along the line, they get caught halfway in the toy box or they get caught somewhere and they get a kink in them. And once that happens, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> once it gets that kink in there, I mean, you can press it together and hold it. And, you know, most of us, the older generation that grew up playing with slinkies all the, all the time, we remember trying to do that. You know, you try to straighten it out, you get your pliers and you try to straighten out the, the slinky, see if you can do that and get it straight, but it never never happened. So I used to have a broken slinky and the new one. I just kept the new one. But here's what this serves as a reminder to me when I look at it. That just like that old crinkled sl slinky, no matter how hard I try to straighten out the imperfections in my life, it ain't happening. But what God does is he takes 
and gives me a whole new life through His grace. I love that. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, like I said, somebody walked in and said, why do you keep a slinky? That's the story right there. Well, it also amuses me sometimes. Uh, but, but for the most part, I, I just want to remember that idea over and over again that no ma matter how hard I try to straighten out my own mess, bottom line is what I want to do and what I want to invite you to do is say to God, take my life and make it whatever you want to glorify you. I will never move beyond my need for God's grace. I will never walk in here on a Sunday and have it all together and have everything right and have it perfect. I will never stand in God's presence based on my performance. I will always hang on His grace. song we started right after announcements today begins with the words, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I can't trust anything else but only in the blood of Christ. So I can take my less than perfect fill in the blank, my less than perfect life, everything about it, and I can trust God with my imperfections and even my imperfect faith. My goal today is not to uh, you know, bring it down a notch. Come on, you're demanding too much. Let's, let's, let's bring it down a notch. It's not that important. Again, my goal is not to lower your expectations because I believe so strongly that as we learn to walk in the grace of God, that's when we can know what it is real righteousness. Let me say it like this, and, and we've said this before, but in just presenting the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're trying to impress God, if you're trying to win over God, if you're trying to be made right with God through your own works, you're going to come up short. That's a guarantee. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which I have done. I'm not, I'm not going to get there. The only way is through faith in Jesus Christ because He has given me that grace, and I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to trust in what He did on the cross. And I hope you understand that, but I hope we take it a step further and realize this. That truth doesn't end the day I trust Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin. I still am not dependent upon my own works. I still am not going to be able to stand boldly before him because I'm a wonderful person and I've been a good Christian. Remember that quote we said at the beginning? We, we get so caught up a lot of times in impressing the world that that's what we're supposed to do, a Christian. Show them we have everything together. How about we show them that we have been rescued by Jesus Christ? That is a far more important truth uh, to grab onto. I'm going to pray in a moment here, but before I do, as uh, patience is going to continue to play here, I, I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of reflect on that. I hope today will be a day when you can take whatever it is about you that you say, well, that's me. I'm imperfect in that way. And whatever God has highlighted there and say, God, yes, I am imperfect, but I want to trust my perfectly glorious Savior. Maybe it's the day when you say that to begin with, hey, I don't understand this whole religion thing, but I get that I'm not, and I need to trust the Savior. Maybe it's the day when you need to say, God, I've been carrying this weight around, 
that's just, uh, I'm not intended to bear and I can't bear it. It's, it's too much. And I know, listen, I'm realistic. I understand, and I really do. I understand the pain of wanting that perfection and wanting family to be this, this, and this. But you're carrying around a weight that's going to crush you. And I want to invite you today to give that weight to the gloriously perfect Savior. Abraham knew there was a Redeemer coming who would take that weight. So I'm going to be quiet for just a second while patience continues to play. And when she's, and then we're just going to close in a word of prayer. Father, we wanted to take this time this morning and shine a light on you. And Lord, I pray that that would be the case, that you know, even just as, we, as we've looked at a, a good lady, a, a great lady of the Bible, and realized that uh, even the great, this great lady of the Bible needed your grace, may we look at our own life in that same light today and realize that without you, without your goodness, without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, <laughs> we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it, and we will often be crushed underneath the weight of trying to be perfect. So, Lord, would you deliver us from that? Would you show us clearly the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and help us to trust in him? Lord, we believe, but our faith is imperfect. Help our unbelief, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.